Welcome to the Pinkleton Pull Aside podcast. On this podcast, let's step aside from our busy lives to have fun, fascinating, life-giving conversation with inspiring authors, pastors, sports personalities, and other influencers, leaders, and followers. Sit back, grab some coffee, or head down the road, and let's get the good and gold from today's guest. Here's Jeff Pinkleton, Executive Director of the Gathering of the Miami Valley, where their mission is to connect men to men and men to God. Welcome, friends, to the uh, today's edition of the Pinkleton Pool Side Podcast. And I am super excited to have a guy I've wanted to have on here quite a while, Rhett Walker of Rhett Walker Band fame, of Rhett Walker fame, of the Front Porch Gospel Podcast. And the list goes on and on. Uh, one of the things I like the best, and we're going to dive deeper into this in a bit, but video content creation of videos that are about two minutes long, um, and I've gotten a, a much deeper dive into Rhett's heart and his flavor and things he likes, especially in the shoe world. So, uh, Rhett, welcome. Glad to have you today as you travel back to Nashville. Yeah, man, thanks for, for having me. I uh, feels pretty awesome to hear you list all of these accolades that I didn't realize I was good at. I just thought I was taking up space in the Internet world. And, you know, you said uh, Podcast Pro earlier look i'm just trying to figure out the button i'm gonna just dive right in so i listened to your podcast that you had where you talked about southern slang and i think you and i would probably bond very well over getting into the real deep funny all aspects of our heart so what in your heart today needs a little dirt rubbed on it oh man according to your southern slang yeah i i think you know like just, just kind of getting back up and going with the traveling, trying to figure out my my place right now. Um, it's easy to get caught up in the day to day and the schedules, and uh, you know, we nobody was really busy for 2020. Um, worlds are kind of turned upside down, and and now we're things are starting to open up, and I'm doing things all over the place, and so. I just want to make sure that I'm always uh, keeping my eyes on Jesus and not on myself or trying to make my career into something. And what I'm getting at is it's easy to get caught up in yourself and living selfish. And so I'm trying to make sure that whenever I do hit that wall of selfishness or doing something because Rhett wanted to do it, it might not be the thing that Jesus wanted me to do that I pick myself up and look towards what God has gifted me with. And that's this music career. And then I steward it well and keep on marching on. Well, and, and obviously I just did a little bit when I referenced the rub a little dirt on it. And one of your podcasts, you talked about Southern slang and you did a deep dive into rub, rubbing yeah. a little dirt on it. And your point as the slang goes, which I, I was already familiar with that, but I love it that sometimes you just got to pull up the bootstraps and just qu- keep moving on. You made a joke even about somebody might use in the context of someone breaking her leg in a sporting event. And even there, you got to rub a little dirt on it, and keep moving on. So yeah. 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 I think we get called up a lot of times, you know, in, in the mess ups and, and the, the spots we, we mess up in life, you know, I've got four kids. So, you know, usually once a day or twice a day, a kid's done something and they're, you know, they're feeling sorry for it or the Holy Spirit's kind of put it on them like, hey, you shouldn't be pushing your brother around for the last bag of chips. Um, but, you know, for us adults, it's the same thing. It might not be as small of a thing like an argument with your sibling, 
you know, it might be something with your job or, or just with life or church or your spouse or, you know, Sunday mornings riding with your spouse, it seems to be prime time for fight 100%. between them. So, you know, you got to remember that, that God is a big God of love um, and grace and forgiveness. And he loves us, even though we are crazy messed up people. So stand up, rub some dirt on it, keep going. And that's what I was getting at, you know, with right now being so busy when, when something happens, I mess up something. I got to rub some dirt on it, keep on going and keep my eyes on Jesus, mm. not on myself. Amen. Amen. You know, one of the things I think I can say about you as a guest is that you are not afraid of failure. How has that played well for you to not be afraid of failure? Uh, I don't think I ever really think about it too much, honestly. Um, I've, I've always, you know, I'm a product of the South. and I've always never really had a plan B. Um, when me and April got pregnant as teens, you know, 17 years ago, this year we've been married now. Um, when we got pregnant as teens and God put on my heart worship music and I started playing in churches and then just watching God open doors, um, it was never out of laziness, but there was never a plan B. It was just like, all right, God, you know, whatever you want for mine and April's life. One, we're teens uh, getting married. We don't know nothing about marriage, so you got to leave that. Uh, we're babies having babies. We don't know nothing about being parents, so you got to leave that. And then with careers, you know, we have no clue about the music industry, especially when we first started. So it was, God, whatever you want. So if something failed, we didn't necessarily know it was failing. You know, we, we found out it was failing later when they were like, oh, that didn't work out. We're like, oh, we, we thought it was cool. <laughs> so we're, uh, failure's never been, you know, on our radar. It's, it's up to, I, I make sure I say this with the statement, if you can't be lazy. In Jesus, there's hard work always pays off. Um, but we're we're not worried about what comes next. We're just honestly trying to trying to chase after God. Mm. So, how old were you when you had your first child? So you got married your teenage teen, teen years. How, yeah. how old was all this? I was seventeen. Wow. And she was eighteen. And I found out we had dated two months before we got married. And so. Now we've been married for 17 years. And, you know, and I grew up in small town USA. My dad's the pastor at one of the big churches in town. So the whole world is what it felt like erupted immediately when, when all that happened. And that was, that was definitely a, uh, it's time to man up moment, you know, and kind of changed the trajectory of, of my life at that time. Aiken, South Carolina, I don't, I don't think it's a big town, right? No, it's not. It's a horse town. But your dad was uh, the big church of, pastor. Yeah. And so, you know, it's just a bunch of rednecks that raise horses and a lot of, uh, a lot of the horses from the Kentucky Derby, a lot of winners come from Aiken, South Carolina. But the thing is we had just moved here probably a year and a half prior to my girlfriend getting pregnant. And my dad was a new head pastor in this church. And so, you know, we're already new people in town. My dad, you know, I think wore jeans, one Sunday and um, they thought, you know, then we might as well just burn the church down. He wore jeans. Um, and so he was already, it was already kind of rocky. And then when the son, you know, ends up getting his girlfriend pregnant, that's when, I mean, my dad was getting death threats. Um, he was getting letters on how can you, you know, run a church and, and shepherd a church when you can't even raise your own family. Like he had anything to do with it, you know? But that's that's small town USA, and um, 
I say all that, I, I also want to make sure I say the flip side. Um, I grew up being a pastor's kid. I knew all the all the things to say to get out of trouble. I knew all the verses to throw at something, um, but I didn't have a tangible experience or belief in, in Jesus with grace and mercy and love and that God was still in the business of redeeming lives. And so as much as it, you know, it was horrible, kind of sucked at that time. I also got to watch the church be the church. When they found out about it, me and April went up front. We told the church body what was happening. They gathered around us, prayed for us. Wow. Then through our entire wedding, we had so many people at that wedding. I didn't know half of them. You know, they were, they were cooking. They paid for our food. They paid for the cakes. Like the church acted as the church. And it really kind of set me in April up to go and we want to serve the church. Wow. Like there, you know, everybody doesn't have a teenage pregnancy moment, but everybody has that one moment where it was like, all right, God, I can't, I can't live keeping my eyes on me. I'm going to mess it up. I surrender to you. And so that was, that was kind of what, you know, set me in April up for ministry of going, this is what we want to do. You know, what's so incredible what you just shared. I was, so, and this is maybe me being a naysayer, and I feel like I'm pretty positive, but I was so waiting to hear the part about where the church really screwed up there. And yeah, that's not your story, which speaks well to, you know, when I think of you, I was driving up here today thinking about this. The word I think that I would most associate with you uh, as far as a Christ-like character would be redemption. And you already wow. said it. And I mean, think about how often that, could, that story could have gone way off the rails. Not on your oh, and how many times it has. You know, there's so many stories of, and I'm sure even people listening, there's stories where they're like, man, you know, I almost walked away from the church because of the church. But we got to remember the church is made up of 17-year-old reps, you know, living selfishly, getting their girlfriend pregnant. Mm -hmm. It's not always the wise, uh, I think of Miss Vivian at my church right now, who... I, I bet you a hundred dollars. She's sitting somewhere praying right now and uh, probably praying for this podcast because she's praying for whatever Rhett gets into today. You know? So we, for every, for every saint, there's a sinner. And sometimes we, we come face to face with sinners like me and you and not enough saints. And so, you know, I think we can't be so easy to give up on the church, but we, we need to run fast to, to helping the church and making sure that people see it as a place where we can just lay everything down. We, you know, you don't check your baggage at the door. We, mm -hmm. we bring it to the altar. We're all in need of the same grace. Boy, I tell you what, not to tell you what you need to be doing when you're out on tour, but man, that, that story can be shared everywhere you go because we unfortunately see too many instances of where things go astray and we're quick, you know, on another podcast, um, I was talking to a guy and we were talking about how quick and easily the church and we as followers of Jesus individually are so quick to, you know, throw people out with the trash and, and tear them down and they fell. So they're done. And you saw the complete opposite. And unfortunately that's such a minority. Yeah. And it's sad, but you, you know what it does? It, it fires me up and it makes me go, you know what, for every broken story out there that, Someone's left the church. You know, I don't believe they're mad at God. I don't believe they're really mad at the church. I believe they're they're probably mad at themselves. They're probably insecure and and frustrated and all these right feelings. But if there's somebody that can reach out and go, "Hey, sorry if the church hurt you. 
churches are made up of people like me, mm. you know, and like when my kids look at me and they're like that, I, you know, they do something dumb out in public. My kids like to embarrass me. I don't know why they say some of the stuff they say, but it's like <laughs> their job. Um, but you know, my daughter said something, my youngest eight year old the other day, she said something pretty dumb out in public. And when we got back in the truck, she was like, dad, did that embarrass you? And just started breaking down in tears. Mm. And I looked at her and I said, baby girl, you can't embarrass me because I embarrass myself enough. Like mm. I am a, a man that wakes up every morning and needs the same grace your little eight-year-old self needs. Needs the same grace a 75-year-old person needs. We're messed up, flawed people that Jesus loves. And, you know, God said we were, he was, uh, we were still worth him sending his son. And so you can't embarrass me. And I think people need to remember that. Like a lot of times we, we were so worried about what people think, you know, forget what people think. Who cares what they think? We, we care what Jesus thinks. Right? Mm. And so you can't embarrass me. I only embarrass myself. You know? so give the church another chance. That's what I'd always say to people that have been hurt. You know, I love that story talking to your talking that through with your eight year old daughter. You know, one of the things I think that is a great compliment to someone, and I bet it's true about you, is that the person you see up on a stage or on a platform is the exact same person you see when they're off stage and blah, 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 blah. And I, and I just think, Rhett, you seem to me like in any context I've seen you, I've seen your show a couple of times, both as Rhett Walker and Rhett Walker Band, and videos I watch, and I'm like, you don't seem different on any one of those platforms. And whenever I've seen you, a Facebook post, a video, a show, I'm like, I bet, you know, you in your backyard, you know, whatever it may be, I bet you're the exact same person in any one of those contexts. It's not like, well, here's Rhett, who's got the camera on. Here's Rhett, who, yeah. is, it, is that fair <laughs> to say? Oh, yeah. Well, I've always said what you see on stage is the same thing you see at Kroger. Or Publix, or you know, all like my grandma says, the Krogers. I don't know why she puts S's on everything, but Krogers or Walmart. <laughs> uh, but I'm, you know, I'm the same on stage, the same off because I, I think a lot of that is my kids. Um, I just there's enough in this world. I'm, I'm not trying to stay deep the whole time. I promise you, but there's enough that is trying to tell my 16 year old daughter, my 14 year old son, what they should be. And I don't want them to see their dad do the same exact thing. Mm. All right, well, now it's time for me to put this mask on and be Rhett Walker. Or it's time for me to do, like, I want them to know that the same dad that loves them and that's goofy and redneck and loves Jesus doesn't have to change per his, you know, atmosphere that he's in. Um, but it also has, you know, got me in in trouble with management stuff before because we've, you know, played places like Midland, Texas in the middle of the summer. And I'm up there on stage in cargo shorts and Crocs. And they're like, Hey, you know, you can be you, but if you could, you know, like maybe put on some jeans and boots, like dress a little bit better for the stage, that would be helpful. But you know, Hey, when it's 105, you're getting camo Crocs. That's what's happening. <laughs> Well, we're going we're to get back to Crocs in a little bit. So tell us, let's go back a little bit. So you, you grew up in a church. Your dad's a pastor, moved to Aiken, South Carolina. Talk about upbringing a bit, and also tell me a little bit about Jesus and what you perceived of him before you met him, Jesus that made you fall in love with him, and then Jesus, you know, 2021 in light of everything. How are you 
in love and know a different Jesus now than you did prior to? You know, so I grew up in, in North Carolina and lived the rest of my life in South Carolina, except for a stint in Nashville, of course. But um, growing up as a pastor's kid, I mean, I call it in the South life in a mason jar. You know, it's, it's the glass house. Everybody and their brother knows anything and everything about you. You're, there's expectations on, on PKs that I think are a little unfair. Um, and so it was hard, honestly, growing up trying to live up to certain expectations that just are unfair for, you know, teenagers and, and young preteens. And then we moved to South Carolina when I was 15. And I, you know, went to a private school in North Carolina, you know, jumped in this, this high school here in town when I was 15. All the dudes wanted to fight me. You know, it was, it was just the, the scenario you always hear. And so the Jesus I knew then was a Jesus that kept tally marks and he was only a Jesus to give me trophies. And so I went to church and I was, I was forced to by my parents because my dad was a pastor and they told me I had to go to church. Um, so that was an easy trophy to get. Um, and if I got in enough trouble, I'd, I'd read my Bible through the week and do my devotion. So then I'd get it feel like I was getting, you know, a trophy from Jesus for doing good on that. Um, and it was just a God, it was a God of expectation, of the same expectations of the people in the town, I think I kind of put mm-hmm. on, on Jesus. And then when April got pregnant, I thought, well, it's all hit the fan. I'm 17. I got just got kicked out of uh, – I. I got kicked out of the public school I was in. I was in a Christian school at that time. Got kicked out of that Christian school because I got April pregnant. Um, so then it was like, well, you know, I've worked this hard to get a high school diploma. I ain't going to get it. Still have my senior year of high school. This is, is down the drain. It's hit the fan. There's no fixing it. But then I started to see the church do what the church does, what we talked about a minute ago. And I started to go, wait a second. Like, there, there's grace here. There's love. And then started to click with me, all those little VBS songs and stories mm. and Sunday school stories. And I was like, you know what? Like this, there, this God is a God of grace. And it's not just because my, my pastor dad tells me so. Like I can see it. And now fast forward 17 years later, coming out of 2020 and 2021, looking at life going, we're not going to miss out on a single opportunity that God has uh, for us, I see God as a, he's just a God of opportunity. Mm. And when, and if I look back through my whole life, anytime I was frustrated with God, or I didn't understand maybe what God is a hundred percent. I was usually getting in the way of myself, mm. you know, uh, when I got April pregnant and was living a crazy teenage life, that's, that's nobody's you know fault but my own. I was living selfishly. I did what I wanted to do. I wanted to go act this way, do this thing, act like that. Like I did what Rhett wanted to do and, you know, is a quick road to destruction. Um, I could still live like that if I wanted to, but I, I realized that that is not a way that honors God. That is not the way a believer walks not the way I want to uh, because of scripture and grace and love that I've seen Jesus pour out. 
And so I want to honor God. Well, in doing that, taking that selfishness away, I've seen that God's a God of opportunity. And so I'm just trying not to miss out on any opportunity, mm. man. I've always got my ears perked and my eyes open. And, and it's been funny, me and April and the kiddos, I, I hate even saying this because I don't want to sound cocky or weird, but 2020 was fantastic other than, you know, not knowing, <laughs> not knowing if I was going to have a job anymore. Um, but we in uh, March, I think it was, we played one night of tour and it was canceled. You know, and I, I did the uh, the bickering and the, what? What are we can't? Oh, God, my gosh, we can't do this. But then I quickly sailed in. I was like, God, you got an opportunity. Let's see what this, this year is supposed to be. And my whole family made a pact to not look back on the, I wish I would have. Mm. And so we didn't. And we, we had a blast. And now we're finally able to work again. <laughs> Amen. Well, let's talk about opportunity. I, I love what you said there, Rhett. And when I think of opportunity with you, I think of these short little video clips. You had, The one I thought that was so hilarious was you did a little video clip about driving around the parking lot at Target and you just can't do it and blah, blah, blah. You did the Tiger King stuff, <laughs> something you may be eating or drinking that's kind of funny. I think you did something about spam. And, I mean, yeah. is this just stuff that's always going through your head? Or in a moment, you just think, well, hey, I'm at Target. Target is whatever. And you just do a video on the flyer. What's that process like for you? Because I think you add a lot of value. You're like, you're a nice break in the day for me. If I stumble across something like that, and I either save it and say, I'll watch it later, or I'll watch it right there in a moment. Talk about that process for you. Uh, man, I, I don't know if it's, you know, I just got too much going on in my head at all times. Um, but but it's weird. Usually I'll, I'll see things play out and then I'm like, all right, that's, that's what I'm going to do. And I don't know if it's a God ordained thing or just the way God created me, but you know, I'll, I'll see the most mundane kind of normal thing and see a whole thing play out in my head and then just create it. And it's probably, you know, I'm glad you have fun watching the videos. I think it's funner for the people in the parking lots with me that have no clue what I'm doing. They're just like, what is this thing bat doing in his car? Because it's not always one take, you know, sometimes I got to do it three or four times or on the fourth time, I'll think of something funny or on the third time I'll, you know, I'm still human. I'll cross the line and be like, mm, probably shouldn't put that out online. Um, and so I just think it's probably funny for the people, you know, the security guards at target watching the security cameras. <laughs> Um, but I just try to have fun, man. Like I said, life is, is too short. Um, I think a lot of times in the CCM world, we, we, uh, we get too much stuck on depravity, um, which is you, you better start there. Or you don't know your need for, for Jesus. Amen. Um, but I think we get stuck there a lot of times. And I think we forget that sustainable joy, uh, peace and happiness, the kind of sustains you and stays with you only comes from Jesus. So if Jesus is giving that, pouring that out, then I want to be, you know, conduit to that and, and put that out into the world too. Sure. Sure. Well, let me get, uh, since you're most known for the music industry, let me get a short answer here for me. Cause I still got, I mean, I got a lot of stuff I want to throw your way on a short side. What's the best and worst part about being in the music industry? Okay. Um, I think the best thing about the music industry uh, outside of, you know, the Christian answer, just talking about music um, is just being able to put yourself 
into a universal language. Mm. Um, I've never got to, to visit so many places, mm. but there's so many fans that reach out from those places in different languages, but they know the, the every word. You know, they know them better than I do. I'll forget the words, but yeah. it, it's cool just to see. And then on the Christian side, to know that those lyrics have purpose, mm. and it's like, dude, they're singing the gospel in a tongue that I don't speak, and the song ain't even in. You know, they translated it themselves. Or just to hear the stories that, that you know, have drastically changed people's lives because they've heard it, you know, on, on whatever station, China FM, or, and, it, and they've turned that car around. Um, the worst part is everybody in the industry um, usually walks through a season of comparisons. Mm. And it's really easy to jump in that when, you know, a song doesn't work or, you know, maybe a tour falls apart and it's like, all right, this tour's not going to actually happen or, or whatever. It's easy to immediately go, well, theirs did. Theirs worked. Mm. Why didn't mine work? And, and that's just, you know, I think anybody can do that in any job. You know, you can be um, starting off in a cubicle, working your way up to, you know, going up each floor, but it's easy to compare, but you get, you lose a lot of joy and a lot of time to actually work on your craft when you're busy trying to copycat somebody mm. else's. And so I've always told, you know, people that are, that want to be artists, um, you got to sing the soul that God gave you. If you're mm-hmm. copying this artist, you're singing their soul and it ain't yours to be sang. So yeah, be true to you. And see, I think you do that well. I think as you say that, I'm like, yeah, that, that feels like you. Well, let me give you five, I call them rapid five questions, which is kind of funny because I didn't realize until I listened to that podcast of you today on that particular one, you do something similar. So I'm like, either he stole from me or I stole from him since I'm (laughs) I'm hosting this. You stole from me is what I'm going to say. Yes, I did. (laughs) So what is your favorite childhood snack or cereal? Oh, Cocoa Pebbles. Yeah, that's a pre- that's a pretty good one. You know what? I've actually gotten it. Maybe and I still you say childhood, but I still eat it. <laughs> well, you know what? I've advanced to I eat, I eat chocolate life cereal, so I feel like it's more adult in its life, but it's still got the chocolate thing going. That's so true. Maybe you, you know should what? Try I that. might need to switch to that. There you go. What's your favorite book that you've either most gifted to people or you would most want people to read? Uh, that would be the Great Divorce. Oh. You're like the second person who's I, told me that. So I got to read that on sabbatical when I got sabbatical coming up. Uh, I just reread it like a month ago. It's that good. What most speaks to you about that book? Um, there is, so it's, it's a bus ride from, mm-hmm. you know, hell to heaven. I'm not going to give anything away, but there, there's certain people that know so much about God and know so much about Jesus but they love people knowing how much they know about God and Jesus that they would rather leave, not be in heaven. Mm. So that way they can tell people about it to look good. Like they love looking good and looking knowledgeable more than they love what they're knowledgeable about. And that's just been a thing that's always rocking my world of making sure I don't ever get to that where I love looking cool or knowledgeable Mm -hmm. more than I love, the reason people think I'm cool. Wow. Well, that's moving. Cause to, I'm really not that cool. <laughs> well, it's still debatable, but we're, I'm moving that high up on my, my, my sabbatical reading list. Cause you're the second person to talk that up to me big time. So yeah, man. here's one. It relates to both of us. So my kids are 12 to 18. I got four, you got four. So 
Um, if you're like me when you travel, Rhett, going from point A to point B on a long road trip, heading on vacation, we can never time perfectly the lunch break. Somebody's got to go to the bathroom, yep. and then it's like 10, 15 minutes later. We were going to stop, but we've already, we're here. Let's just do it. So we come to that exit. We're not sure what there is to choose from, but I see these three places McDonald's, Chick fil A, In N Out Burger. We're going West Coast a little bit. Which one do you stop okay. at? Well, if we got their wife and the kids, I'm stopping at Chick fil A. That's why they won't. No kids. It's only Rhett. Where are you stopping? I'm stopping at McDonald's between those three. Really? You're stopping at McDonald's? Yeah. Wow. I know it's crazy. Uh, in and out. I just I'm a I like Whataburger better. Well, there you um, go. Okay. And so you know I, I got to go Whataburger over in and out. And gotcha. Chick Fil A, I just don't think it's that great. I think it's uh, it's convenient. There you, you know, go. It's not the best chicken sandwich. The best chicken sandwich is Popeyes. So if there's there, a Popeyes. Ooh. Stopping at Popeye. See, friends of my world might say Lee's chicken, but I guess we'll have to debate. That could be a whole other podcast episode to yeah. itself. So what's the movie, <laughs> Rhett, that pulls you in every time? If you this movie you're switching, you come across this movie, what would that movie be? Uh, Lean on Me. Oh, wow. Okay. You know, I don't think I've still yeah. ever seen that. Wow. It's forever old. Um, it was, you know, it's, the, it's like the four boys that go out yeah. looking for the friend that went missing. Yeah. Um, I'm familiar with it. I've just never seen movie. it. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it sucks was, in every there's time. always that movie. It just, it, it sucks me in every time. Um, but also that was back when they made movies an hour and a half and they didn't have to make them four hours long like they do now. Yeah. Gotcha. So here's, here's, here's one for you that your first celebrity crush, TV, movie, music. Who's your first celebrity crush? Oh gosh. Um, that's hard. Uh, it was probably uh, one of the girls off Seventh Heaven. Oh, uh, Jessica Biel, or somebody else? Probably, yep, probably Jessica Biel, or um, the middle sister. What was her name? I, don't know. Uh, I know, I know who you're talking. Yeah, that, wow, look at that. that. Or one of the girls from Full House. Okay, we'll give you that. Okay, for you, there's a bonus rapid five, and here's the bonus okay. question. Because I own both these things, and I love one a little bit more than the other. You got Hey Dudes, you got Crocs. Someone sticks a gun to your head and Uh, says, you can never wear one of these again. Which one are you sacrificing, Crocs or Hey Dudes? Oh, well, I'm sacrificing Hey Dudes. You know what's funny? I knew you were going to say that, and I'm the opposite. I've, I've fallen in love with Hey Dudes. It's the only thing I got that's remotely cool. I get compliments on them. I have no style, no cool factor. So sadly, I have to give up the Crocs for the Hey Dudes. I have Indianapolis. I'm wearing Hey Dudes right now. Yeah. I wait till they're 30. I love Hey Dudes. Yep. I wait till they're $39.95 free shipping and handling, and I'll order a pair. I got three pair of those. I think I got three pair of Crocs. I got my Indianapolis Colt Crocs. But uh, you and I bond over those two things for sure. So um, one of the things I love about what you get to do is you probably have some unique and crazy experiences everywhere. So I was in, in a concert at High Street Nazarene in Springfield, and you had one of the greatest moments I've ever seen. And I've been to probably close to a thousand concerts. There was a young man there who's probably 18 to 21 years old, who was a huge fan of yours. He was blind and he's going to play. I think, oh, it, yeah. I think it was when Mercy found me and you go yeah. off the stage and you go to the far left corner off the stage and he plays piano and you kind of are his backup. 
Do things like yeah. that happen all the time, or is that that rare and unique? Because it was a special moment. I mean, I told whoever I was with, I said, I may never see a moment like that again at a concert. Speak to that kind of experience. Yeah, that that moment was uh, was super special, and I got to meet that kid and his parents uh, before the show, and there there's just something special on that kid. Like you could just you could just feel it. Like there is there is some type of just joyful, godly, just life giving thing on that kid. And um, and it was funny because it's wrapped, you know, in uh, a human that can't see. And it's like, you know, you always are like, man, you have every reason to complain. I feel like way more than I do. And this kid's just got a smile on his face. Mm-hmm. And then the mom told me about how he loves music. And he started telling me about how he, you know, he listens to music and he, he tries to learn it. And then he plays and he plays and he plays and one of his favorite songs when mercy found me and so as i'm as i'm doing this this show i see him out there and i'm like you know what i'm not playing this song and he's gonna play it and so i saw you know the piano was off stage they moved it and so i walked over there and he walked over there and he, he played the song and it was unbelievable and it was just such a fun moment for me because a lot of times you play these songs so much you can uh, easily blow past them and it's just second nature to play these songs well that stopped me because i wasn't the one playing it wasn't the one doing it and it was just this kid who just loved the song and it was so special um and you honored him well like you clearly took a back seat to him and it was it was spontaneous right that was that was not planned out in any way shape or form was it no, no, I just, I saw him and said, hey, come on up, you know. And, but I think it goes back to, that's a special moment, but it goes back to what I was saying, God's a God of opportunity. And I think if we have our ears perked up and our eyes open, you, you see moments like that. And, you know, thankfully I've had a few of those um, cool moments that I've got to, you know, be a part of on stage. And, and now there's certain places um, I go where, I don't have a choice but to bring certain people back up on stage. Mm. So I, I just love those moments. Yeah, that's so cool. I love that. I love, you know, a mentor of mine once said that a great life is made up of great years, that is made up of great weeks, that is made up of great days, that is made up of great moments. And I love that oh, connection of moments great. to life. Yes. Well, you live that well. I really appreciate that. Let me ask you about podcasting. So I have not gotten through all yeah. your podcasts, but I've listened to a couple now. How is podcasting taking you in a growth and development way either in life personally relationships your own thoughts what is what have you learned and what's made you better because of podcasting yeah i think it's um just honestly getting out of my own little world um i think a lot of times especially in 2020 when i started it we weren't around anybody or going anywhere and so you know you're kind of living in your own little bubble and you know, being able to talk to people and hear their the the world through their lens, and then just talk Jesus and um, you know talk life and talk kids and talk food and you know and hear it through their lens. Um, a lot of times, I don't get that pointed on subjects with like my friends mm-hmm. or my wife. We're talking about you know whatever Tiger King or something dumb like that. Um, but then when you get more pointed in the podcast world, 
it tends to pull certain things out of people. Mm-hmm. And you're like, man, I never, I never knew this story about you or knew this is the way you viewed life and, mm-hmm. and God and grace and hope. And so it, it's challenged me to, uh, to seek you know, maybe deeper relationships with people um, and not just, you know, a, a surface or as easy, but like to really know people and I'm not walking around to all my friends and giving them questionnaires, you know, like <laughs> fill this out before we can be friends. But I think it's challenged me and made me kind of want to be to find out more, yeah. you know, find out more about people. Well, when you called your friend Brett on that one podcast, I mean, I, I could tell the breadth and depth of that friendship. And he may not be your closest friend, yeah. but I thought, yeah, Brett, Brett, Red and Brett seem like good buddies, like genuinely good yep. friends. You just called him on the fly and he said there was something different about your voice <laughs> and the way you were just, you know, chucking it up and how you could better word stuff. Now, I mean, I just love the vulnerability and yet there was an authenticity that it was really cool. Tell me this. I want to hear, as you've done a lot of touring and in a variety of ways, who is an artist or a musician or someone you've been out on the road with that you, whatever you went into thinking about them, you came away and maybe it's just a relationship. Maybe you've not even toured with this person who you're like, wow, that person is legitimate in following Jesus. They have a very authentic, real, intimate relationship with Jesus. Who's someone in that world? Uh, I would say Bart from Mercy Me. Mm. Um, we, we did the road show with them, you know, and they're such an extremely huge band um, in like the, the status side of music. They're just, they're a household name. They're, they're massive. And it was like, why is this a band that, you know, doesn't get off the bus, doesn't really interact with, you know, the, the little guys. You know, this was 2013 for me. I come to the river without with Mercy found me. It was my only thing that had been out. And I felt like I became best friends with the, this band, you know, three shows in. They took so much time mm-hmm. to, to just hang out with me and my guys. Um, there was no one below them. There wasn't mm. a crew guy. There wasn't a, a hired gun drummer that was below this band. And I was just like, man, not only are they terrific, like this is just a very talented band, um, but they actually care about people. Yeah. And no wonder they are where they are because God's got his hand all over mm. this band and, and is blessing them because they are, you know, they're pouring out more than they're taking in. Yeah. And Bart and, and all those guys have just always been that to me. And I, I say this, that every time people ask me that. Those, those guys are the real deal. You know, it seems like I, I've heard uh, Bart, I know Ryan Stevenson a bit, and I heard him uh, get interviewed by Ryan Stevenson, and then he interviewed Ryan, and it, he legitimately seemed interested, and, like, he was very glad to interview Ryan. And then my friend Jason Romano, who does the Sports Spectrum podcast, he, he had Bart on there, and, of course, with it being about sports, they got into sports a good bit. And I was blown away at what a big sports fan he was and just what he knew. And he talked oh, yeah. about the uh, – what was that game called back in the day? The Cowboys, the the frozen whatever game, that championship game with the Cowboys and the Packers. And he definitely knew about that. Yeah. I thought, Man, this guy's just – he could talk about anything. So um, we'll close with this for time's sake. I appreciate you uh, driving well and not having a wreck or anything. But um, – <laughs> You seem to have, okay, so when I think about artists and I think about athletes and I think about entertainers, I think about the fans. And I look at a lot of people and I think, okay, either they love their fans and they understand they're only doing what they're doing because of the fans 
or they look at fans and say necessary evil. Like I got to have them to do what I do. They got to spend the money. So I'll be okay with fans. You seem like you legitimately understand and value not just your fans in a sense that you need them to have your career, but you genuinely love people and enjoy what that means. Speak to that if that's true. Yeah, it is. I I genuinely enjoy people. Um, you know, I, I think fans are, are great. I think it's cool that they like my music. I think it's cool that they, they buy it. Like you said, like we wouldn't be having a conversation right now if they didn't because I'd be working a different job. So I'm forever grateful. But then to hear their stories and see the same people. I mean, there, there's a group of ladies in the Midwest that I don't know why they continue to come to so many shows. I tell them when they get there, I'm like, look, we're still doing the same set list because we just got this, you know, good uh, gospel songs just now out. But they come because they they just love, you know, be, the friendship and, and the talking. And so a long time ago when I saw it switch from fans to just kind of this, this friend group, um, and I, I don't believe every artist gets that. I mm-hmm. think a lot of times, you know, they're just fans of, of maybe a song or of the, you know, the CCM industry in general. But I've got hardcore fans that are, I call them, you know, the family or friends. Like I know them by name and I see them on the front row and uh, they're invested in my life. They ask about Riley, Jet, Autumn and Cash or my wife, April. And um, so getting to do that, getting to do life with people. And I think that model probably came having a, a dad as a pastor um, and Wednesday night dinner on the ground and just sitting with people you didn't know. And just the only thing in common you got is Jesus and, and you live a life in the same area. Mm. And so I think I've kind of taken that to my fans. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, I, I think that speaks way more volumes than what people even know. I mean, I, I watched, Thursday and Friday night, I watched the uh, closing of the uh, 10th Avenue North uh, longevity thing. They've been around forever. And and just with Mike Donahue, you could see how hard this was uh, while it's on the new and other things. And that's how it is for each of those band members. That's that connection and what that era was like for them. You could just see it in his eyes as he got emotional a couple of times during music. Um, Let me ask you, we'll, we'll ask one more question here, Rhett. What do you think is left and I don't want to say for you to conquer, but what's left out there for you to make a big splash in? I mean, you are who you are. You're not trying to be something. You're not out to probably sell more, you know, music than anybody else or biggest shows or whatever. But what do you think is still out there untapped that you say, yes, this is where God wants me to make a difference in giving me favor here? Honestly, on my heart is I, I want to showcase my family a little bit more in like a show. And so we, we've kind of talked about, you know, film kind of being our next thing, uh, not taking place of music that'll continue. But I, I think we've lost, you know, family dinners around the table. And yeah, I remember growing up watching shows at eight o'clock with my family that like a lot of that stuff just don't happen in the world we live in anymore. And so I think Jesus first, and then family values, then hard work still pays off. And so I kind of want to showcase that visually. Um, so that, and then I, I'm also thinking about writing a Southern Slang Dictionary book. 
a Southern slang dictionary type of book. That's funny you say that because that's yeah, It'd be great for when you're you, you know you're using the potty. Give yep. you something to read. Well, that fits very well. There being a, I'm from Nashville, Tennessee. I relate to that well. Well, uh, kudos to what you're saying about your family because I think you capture that in a few minutes very well in gospel, in the gospel song video. I love that video. Just you prance around the house and it looks very genuine and okay. That's the walkers being the walkers doing life together and (laughs) ending in the backyard with a little uh, guitar and a a fire pit and so on and so forth. So yeah. Well, Rhett, it was a real pleasure. I appreciate you making the time for this. And I have definitely, when I talked to you and interacted with you that day at uh, high street Nazarene, I thought, Man, this is a guy I think I can hang with and do some life with. And I don't know if I'm saying that to make yeah. to make you want to do that. Probably not. But if nothing else, uh, you know, I, I don't say that often. But I've been blessed to know some great men of God and great people who love the Lord and have a genuine faith. And I would put you very high on top of that, high on that list for sure. Well, man, I, I count that highly coming from you. And listen, anytime you want to put the Crocs in four-wheel drive and go have some fun, I'm game. Many blessings to you, Brett. Thanks for the time. All right. Thank y'all. Thank you for joining us on the Pinkleton Pull Aside podcast. You can reach Jeff at gatheringmiamivalley.org or find us on Facebook at The Gathering of the Miami Valley. Join us again next week for another honest and rich conversation. The Shine FM Podcast Network.